I have seen gods fly. I've seen men build weapons that I couldn't even imagine. Uh-huh. I've seen aliens drop from the sky. Yeah. But I have never seen anything like this. How much more are you hiding? Hold up. Let's go, go, go. My son, it is your time. Show me my respect and bow down. You get to decide what kind of king you are going to be. Don't freeze. I never freeze. The revolution will not be televised. Show me my respect. And bow down. We own ya. We own ya. We only getting started now. Cause we own ya. Everybody think they know me now. Cause we own ya. You and not my homie now. Cause we own ya. I waited my entire life for this. The world's gonna start over. I'ma burn it all. What happens now determines what happens to the rest of the world. You will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. Wakanda forever! The revolution will not be televised. Let's have some fun. Hey everybody and welcome to Back to the Bins. Today we are going to score as I am joined by Dr. Bill Robinson once again. No, no, I said score, not snore. That was a t- that was my panther roar. Oh, I thought I thought it was you. I thought maybe you fell asleep while I was bringing the show in. No, <laughs> you didn't see me do do my claw at the microphone. That's why because I went. <laughs> and so you can't see. And now, that. now I'm thinking of Sylvester when he was doing the claw. Do you remember? <laughs> oh, the pussy cat's gonna scratch me. And then the lion comes and does it. <laughs> so he stands there with his claw like he's he starts thinking he's tough with it. <laughs> yeah, he's. Holding it up, going, <laughs> and, and they all just run away. <laughs> that's that's what I'm picturing you doing in my head. Hey, Doctor Bill's gonna scratch me. Now, I don't know if anybody except for Rusty knows what we're talking about, but but I'm sure he does. So today we are doing a score episode for the Black Panther movie, and as we record this, it's opening tomorrow. If all yep. works out well, as you listen to this, it will have opened yesterday. Uh, 
my head. And I will. And as you're listening to this, I'll probably be seeing it. Because <laughs> I'm going to maybe go on Saturday, right, which well, is today, which is now. What am I talking about? So as we record this, I'm going to see the Black Panther in the future. But as you listen to this, I will have already seen it. No. Oh, because I'm going on Friday night to see it. You're going tomorrow, or yes. is that yesterday, comparing how you're listening to this? Exactly. I don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like with this one we have an advantage that we haven't had because we've already kind of seen a little bit of the take on the character. Mm, true. You know, yeah. In Civil War, you know, he, he, was, he was already presented to us, and I thought he was very, very cool. I really liked the way they showed him, so... You know, I, I look forward to, to more of the same, I'm hoping. But uh, we, we should talk a little bit about, I guess, our history with the Black Panther character and, you know, what we've thought over the years and such. How about, we'll start with you, Bill. Okay. Um, like most of my exposure to um, the Marvel Universe, it came through the Avengers. Um, first a little bit with Iron Man, then mostly with the Avengers and um, you know when I started to go you know slowly back through getting the older bad back issues I saw yeah um, well the book I'm going to be doing tonight uh, 62 of the Avengers is the monarch and the man ape and uh, this was the first appearance of the man ape too wasn't it which I believe is going to be in the movie yes think? his yeah. it, well uh, what's it Mbaku the uh... Mbaku the secret identity of the, or the identity of the man ape, he's going to be in it. Whether or not he's going to be uh-huh. presented anything like the way he is in the, uh, you know, with the, with the ape costume and all, I, well, I, I, just, I have my doubts. Well, we'll see. Yeah, time we'll, will we'll tell. See. Or we would have already seen, or I'll be seeing right now, and you've already seen. And I, I guess we'll we'll talk a little bit more about Umbaku uh, when you do that issue, because I find him to be a kind yeah. of an interesting character. Uh, but uh, but I've let's, always, let's talk a little bit more Panther before we get to yeah, him. I always thought the Black Panther was, was cool. I liked his costume. I liked his claws. I didn't really quite get it first. You know, I thought his power was like in his, his suit, but then, you know, came to realize later he was kind of had the, he was granted the, the mystical strength of the Panther, I, I believe. Um, I know in recent years he's really come to forefront with uh, getting in conflicts with Namor and uh, and – and Dr. Doom, because he is a king of his own nation. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I wanted to talk about with about him, is is how difficult it is to guy, present a guy who's a king of his own nation and yet have him based in the United States on the Avengers. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he was on Walkabout, or whatever. He had to sow his wild panther oats. I, I think that's one of the things that's that's made it a little bit difficult to have a sustained series with him, though. Because, you know, you're, you're a little limited on where you could bring him. And it's the same thing with the Submariner, actually. Except for the, mm-hmm. you know, points in time where, you know, for whatever reason, they uh, lose the, the you know, control of their kingdom for something and they're exiled. You know, for, but when they, when they are in power, you know, it's hard to justify the fact that they spend no time in their nation. Right. But then, well, uh, and- you know, you know I, I have a similar experience with him as you, I was introduced to him first in the Avengers, and then eventually reading some stuff. You know, I came upon other things, and you know, the some issues of Jungle Action, uh, which I understand some of the movie is going to be based on some of the things in there. 
then there was the you know the every once in a while one of the Kirby issues which were just far out stuff that you know you you I had said at the time you you could have taken Black Panther and put any other generic you know adventurer in his role and it would have been fine like I don't think Kirby ever cared about the actual characterization of the Black Panther mm-hmm. uh, but then you know I think he really came to the forefront in the uh, Christopher Priest series that came out you know it's, which I believe started initially under the Marvel Knights banner. Mm. And you know he really fleshed out a uh, you know a lot of his history and uh, you know the, the politics of, of Wakanda and that type of thing. So is that, it in that, the priest? Is it in the priest run where he marries uh, Storm? No, that was I believe that was in the Reginald Reginald Hudlin run, oh. which is later. Uh, in the Christopher Priest run is where uh, he introduced uh, he introduced the guy that Martin Freeman is playing in the movie. Oh, okay. And there were a lot of like political intrigue type things going on with you know Wakanda and the United States, and I believe there was some stuff with Doctor Doom in that. Uh, and uh, what's it, Chris Eberle, uh from Comic Geek Speak? When he came on the show, he brought an issue of of that run, and he talked about how that's like his favorite run of pretty much any series. Uh, and he he was pretty passionate about it, and 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 he was saying at the time, you know, you can get a lot of those issues, you know, from the uh, cheap bins. And unfortunately, I really haven't seen any of the cheap bins, but I would like to pick them that up and, you know, maybe read it from beginning to end because he was uh, effusive in his praise of it. Mm. So. Did you ever see the picture of the original of the original bleh, concept art for the Black Panther? No. I just found a picture of it. I'll, uh, I'll send it to you in a second. Oh, it was uh, Cole Tiger was what he was going to be. There, well, there, there was also the little, little, uh, very short period where uh, where they renamed him. It was in Fantastic Four, I believe, one nineteen, and he became. Uh, it was <laughs> he changed from the Black Panther to I think it was the Black something else. Like the Black Tiger or something like something silly like that, uh, because they didn't want to be affiliated with the uh, oh the Black know. Panther movement. Yeah, I'm you know, to... my wife said something to me tonight. She said, um, she's so, like, to get out. <laughs> she's like, because the Black Panther commercial was on, and she's like, I've never even heard of the Black Panther. I was like. Oh no, he's been in the Avengers for a long time, and blah, blah 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 blah. And she's like, "Never heard of him." And then she said, "Did did they did the Black Panthers take their name from him?" I'm no, like, you, I, don't, "I don't know. I don't think so." Okay, I'm looking at this concept art that Bill sent me. Uh, it's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> he, he looks like a who? Who was the? Uh, Superhero slash supervillain who tried out for the Frightful Four, and he's he, he was like super really super powerful, except he was uh, allergic to flames, and he passed out. He had like that. No, that was color. a guy that tried out for the Defenders, right? He, he like, also tried out for the Defenders. Oh, uh, was it Ultraman? No, it was not Ultraman. I Captain um, Ultra, perhaps. Captain. But it, it's uh, you know, it's it, the, the outfit is terrible. It's it's got uh. I guess gray or black arms and legs, but the feet, the trunk, the torso, and the gloves are all yellow and black striped. And then there's a like a belt in the middle and a 
a cape with a red inside and black outside. It's it's horrible. It, it really is something that, that just makes your your head hurt to look at it. Where, no, where, no, did, where no, did you no, find no. that from? Ah, it was right there on the. Uh, uh, I went to the Black Panther comics Wikipedia page. It was right there on there. Okay, well, anybody interested in seeing that? Now you know where to find it. Uh, I don't know why you'd want to though. Oh, Black Leopard. He tried to use the name of the Black Leopard. Okay, that was. Yes, he changed his name to Black Leopard. Uh, <laughs> uh, that didn't. I think that listed two issues and it was gone. Yeah. And, it says uh, Jack Kirby's original concept art for Black Panther used the concept name Cold Tiger. I have heard that name, Cold Tiger, for him before. So, uh, you know, I, I assume the, the Cold entry that is Tiger, correct. Cold that Tiger. Oh wait, no, it's Hold that Tiger. But uh, yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking? Some tea? What do you got? A double beverage? Co- sipping at a little coffee while we're talking. Oh, I thought you were going to say cough syrup, but it should add all that cough syrup. Uh. But I, I've always found the Black Panther to be a cool character in concept for for him as well as his just whole you know backstory with the him being the uh, the king of Wakanda and and the whole Wakanda nation you know looking to be very not only tip you know, not only traditional but like almost stereotyped uh, Africa. When you see like what they, the, the, you know, the clothing they wear and that type of thing, but then to find out that they're far more advanced scientifically mm-hmm. than basically the rest of the world, uh, and and you know that they they are very guarded on, uh, you know, on their nation. But you know, I, I think that was one of the things that that became uh, a little you know call for them was you know Wakanda's never been defeated in battle, something along those lines, or never been. Uh, Never been, you know, taken over by any type of power or anything. Well, they were hidden for a long time too. Like yes. Kind of, you know, nobody knew they were so technologically advanced. They kind of kept that on wraps. Just looking so, for. I think we, you know, he he go. He's on the very very long list. The very very long list of characters that you know come from the imagination of of Jack Kirby, though. And uh, when when you start compiling that list it's amazing oh yeah because he first appeared in fantastic four number 52 uh before we that's and that's the issue i'm going to cover today but before we get to that uh what are your expectations for the movie it um to be honest with you kind of snuck up on me i was kind of like oh yeah black panther Shoot, I forgot this was coming out. It was like, you know, it seems like we just did the whirlwind of getting through, uh, um, you know, the end of the year. It was like, bam, 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 and then it's kind of been on a, like, like a lull, and everybody's looking way to the to the horizon for Infinity War, and it's like, oh yeah, crap, we got Black Panthers coming up. So yeah, because Ben asked me, he's like, when's uh, when's Black Panther coming out? And I'm like, Friday. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, we can go see it Saturday. He's like, well, yeah, let's go see it. Like, okay. Yeah, I. Uh, so you know, I, mean, I, 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 I have high expectations for it, though. I, you know, I, as much as I try to 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 temper those expectations, I I really I'm, I'm expecting something to be you know really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And and then I have and and this is my 
my non-political correct side here, so I apologize to anybody who I may insult here. But I, I feel like there's a certain political correctness hyperbole that we're going to have to get here, that because it's a an, an African main character and primarily an African cast, uh, there's going to be people who bend over backwards to hyperbolize it and say it's like the greatest movie ever. I think I think we saw some of that, to be honest with you, with Wonder Woman, mm. which I thought was a good movie, but it was hailed as being this, you know, phenomenal, groundbreaking movie, and I, I don't think it quite reached that level. I thought it was very enjoyable, but yeah. you know, I think you know because it was a, a you know a woman. Well, this superhero. one's already getting reviews saying it's the the, the best movie ever. Yeah, the best and and, and I and I don't like, well, you know, they all can't be the best superhero yeah. movie ever. <laughs> exactly. Every time they come out. I, I have didn't say that about Justice League. <laughs> I have high expectations for it. And those high expectations are that I expect to go and have a very enjoyable movie that I'm going to want to see in repeated viewings. And if it lives up to that level, I think that's great. I don't think it has to be the best superhero movie ever. And I don't think I have to pretend it's the best superhero movie ever to, to, you know, to please people. Just uh, give me a good movie. I, I don't know if I'm being unfair here, and I apologize again if... if if I'm overstating it, but I just, uh, you know, internet hyperbole, it bothers me a little bit. I, I'm, I'm tired of everything having to be the best ever or the worst ever. You know, some movies are in between, <laughs> you mm -hmm. know, every, every new movie that comes out doesn't displace the, the, the one that used to be the best ever or worst ever. Well, you know, we, we were kind of poo pooing on, uh, discovery. Oh yeah. And we you know, kind of, yeah, we're very high on it now. Listen to a future. Listen to the prophets for some discussion on that. Yes, and and a lot of what we were poo pooing going into that was hearing about problems or you know things that were being rewritten or recast and delays in when it was going to come out, and those are not good signs. Mm -hmm. So in you know hearing that those things are going on had us skeptical as to whether or not they were going to have a good series for us. But, as I think is the right way to do it, we kept an open mind. We waited until we saw it. And as it turns out, we liked it very, very much. So, yep. you know, certainly I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all open for this being the best movie ever. I just don't think I could sit there and anticipate that. Well, my expectation is, is like... Pain. Um, no, that's a prediction, not an expectation. Is, uh, well, well, one, I'm wondering, will this, well, obviously I'm sure there's going to be future Black Panther movies and he's going to be in Infinity War and I'm sure Infinity War 2, but will he be like in the, you know, as they age out the current run of actors, you know, I'm sure we'll probably see the Black Panther maybe on the Avengers now in future movies and down I, the road. I don't see any reason not to. I mean, he's on the Avengers in the comics. <laughs> you know, he, I mean, he's he was, kind of on the Avengers now. He's just on like the Outlaw Avengers. Yeah, you know, you know, he was. Like, he was. You know, he was already in Civil War, and again, he was. He was awesome in Civil War. Mm -hmm. I, I thought he was one of. The, you know, he was one of the highlights in a movie that I thought was great. I like his. Uh, I like his claws. I mean, that's always been one of his. They're like uh, again, like rip metal to shreds, and it's awesome, man. I'm just thinking, you know, you said talking about aging out. Chadwick Boseman, who's playing Black Panther, 
is 40 years old. What? Get out of town. Born in 1977. Wow. Hmm. That's, well, that's, how old is, that's surprising. Uh, how old is Chris Evans and... Well, Robert Downey Jr. is over 50, right? Yes. So, Chris Evans... I don't know. Let's see if Chris Evans... Chris Evans was born in... Arizona, so he's 36. Yeah, so he's younger. Th- he's younger than Chadwick Boseman, which is surprising. That, that's I did not know that until I just looked that up. Well, you're not counting the years he was frozen in ice, right? That's yeah. true. Good point. He would be older. Yeah. I would. I would have thought Chris Evans was about 36 to 40, and I would have thought Chadwick Boseman was like 30. Yeah. So to find out he's 40 was was really quite a surprise <laughs> to me. I'm surprised they're casting somebody. At four, not that he wasn't great in the part. I thought he was terrific in it. But, you know, you, you, when, you, when you're casting a part that you think you're going to be using the guy in other movies, it should behoove you to use somebody a little younger so that you have him that much longer before he ages out of the role. Right. Holy crap. Sorry. I'm, well, the dog's trying to get it. What Robert, are you? Robert Downey would be 62 years old. Almost. I'm, no. Excuse me. 52. I'm sorry. 62. 52 years old. Almost 53. No, I said, holy crap. How old do you think this is? Welcome to the Guess How Old They Are podcast. Jeremy Renner. Uh, I have not looked him up. I'm going to guess 41. <laughs> 47. Uh, so he's older than he looks. Yeah. Uh, all right, pick one for me. Pick one for me. <laughs> How about Scarlett Johansson? Ooh, ooh. Uh, mm, uh, 32? I just clicked on her, so as soon as she pops up here, she was born in 1984. Oh, so, was I right? So that would make her 33. Oh, I was close. Yeah, you were very close. That's not bad. Hmm. She's Let's hot. see. <laughs> what about Mark Ruffalo? Mark Ruffalo. See, now Mark Ruffalo, I'm picturing is, I would have thought he was older than Jeremy Renner, but now I'm not so sure. Now you're not so sure. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put him at 45. He's 50. Okay. 50. I'm a little surprised at the ages of these people because, <laughs> because you would think that, you know, that they're planning to use them over and over again, that they would go for people a little younger. Yeah, that's what I thought. That's I was right there with you. I was surprised. I'll give you one more. How about Chris Hemsworth? Uh, I already saw him. I believe he's thirty-four. Give me another one. Yeah, I think he's thirty-two. Uh, Tom Hiddleston. Um, yeah, I didn't look at him. Hmm, I couldn't say he's in his forties. I'm going to say forty-two. Forty-five. Uh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Holy cow, he's thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. He's a young, uh, he's a young kid. Now Elizabeth Olsen, she's got to be. Let me see. She's well, she, be, she's, she's a yeah, younger she's, sister of the twins that from Full House. Yeah, she's twenty-eight. So yeah, she had to be fairly young. And if you ask me, she's much better looking. But that's just my own personal opinion. How about Colby now I, Smothers? Now I feel now I Smothers. feel creepy for saying a twenty-eight-year-old is. Anyway, I'll just shut up for a dig off. Kobe Smulders? Uh, she's 39. 35. Hmm. So, 
back to back to get, get let's get a little bit back, <laughs> back, more, back. back on track. But uh, you know, if he's I'm just thinking now, if he's forty, he's forty one actually. It says. So you got to figure he'll age out of the part in you know you got I don't think you can give him much more than ten years. Mm, yeah, because it's I mean it's really a more physically demanding part than Robert Downey Jr.'s. No offense to Robert Downey Jr. fans, but you know. Although, how much of all those stunts, I mean, he's doing some physicality, but there's got to be a stuntman underneath the mask on some yes, of that stuff. Yes, but there does come a point also where if you reach a certain age, it starts feeling less plausible that, you know, right. that, you're, that you're really doing that, and it takes you out of the movie a little bit. Right. You, you and I think that of... hurt that hurt when Roger Moore, towards the end of his James Bond career, a little. Ah, uh, poor Roger Moore. Don't pick on Roger Moore. I'm not picking. I, I, I love all the Bonds. I love them equally, like they're my children. But uh, I guess we should get to some comics. And Bill and I, you know, this is this is coming out, you know, because of the way things are, this is coming out ahead of the most recent episode that we recorded before this. Uh, and we did very new issues, and you'll hear that down the line. Now <laughs> we both went very old school with this. Uh, we're going for two appearances from the 1960s, man. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Yes? Where's Scott? Oh, he's in line waiting for his tickets for Black Panther. That's right. <laughs> he's in line waiting for his tickets to Spider-Man Homecoming. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a little, little slow on the uptake today. <laughs> uh, we love you, Scott. <laughs> well, you're all right. Uh, so <laughs> my, my book came out in July of 1966. And it's Fantastic Four number 52, uh, which is the first ever appearance of the Black Panther. And That sensational Black Panther. The cover of the issue, I don't know if the cover is laid out as well as I would like. I like it because I like pretty much all things Kirby. But he's got the Fantastic Four at the foreground with the three uh, non-flying members walking among some Kirby right. tech well, and human torch is flying out of that. Let me tell you what it looks like to me. All right. Go ahead. I, I, I won't finish describing it. <laughs> it looks like the Scooby-Doo gang sulking around a haunted amusement park with a flying, uh, flaming skeleton flying out of the stuff. Okay. That's what they look like. And to while me that's a good description, I'll keep describing it the way I was. Okay. Uh, so, so the three the three of them are, are walking on the ground, and they they you know they they look like they're walking kind of apprehensively, looking for. Like something. I said, the Scooby Doo gang. The the torch is flying by them, and I'm not sure exactly where he's coming from because his flame trail kind of leads to nowhere. But he's uh, not then, happy. And then behind the Kirby Tech, there's a full moon, and jumping towards the Fantastic Four, or I. Or jumping with them, you know, you can't tell if he's coming at them from behind or if he's, you know, joining them to face some sort of menace. But the Black Panther is, uh, you know, at, at the four, you know, right in like, right in the center in front of like, that movie. Oh, sorry. And it, he has an ab- abnormally large right hand. <laughs> it's all about perspective, forced perspective, baby. So I, I don't know. Again, I don't know that I really love the layout choices that Kirby made here. But I'm pretty content with the overall drawing and how it looks just the same. 
Now, from a story point of view, the synopsis, which I'm stealing from the Marvel Wikipedia, is as follows. The Fantastic Four are given a flying craft by the nation of Wakanda as a gift, as part of an invitation to visit the mysterious African country. Intrigued by the technological marvel brought to them, Mr. Fantastic agrees. Their visitor then contacts the leader of Wakanda, T'Challa, also known as the Black Panther. T'Challa and his people rejoice at the news, and they raise the panther idol high before he enters the sacred temple and dons his ceremonial Black Panther garb. Back in the United States, the Fantastic Four go to Metro College to check on Johnny, who is studying hard. When they tell him that they are going to Wakanda, Johnny asks if he could bring his friend, Wyatt Wingfoot, along with them. Meanwhile, within the great refuge of the Inhumans, the royal family continues to try to find a way to break out of the barrier around their city. Karnak attempts to use his abilities to see the flaws in any object to break through the barrier, but this proves to be a failure. As Maximus mocks his family from his cell, Black, Bo Black Bolt broods over what they must do next. Later, the Fantastic Four take the ship they were given to fly to Wakanda, along with Wyatt Wingfoot. When they land the ship, they are surprised to find themselves in a mass massive mechanical forest. Upon disembarking the ship, they are suddenly attacked by the Black Panther. Caught off guard, the group splits and faces off against various traps, Wakandan guards, and the Black Panther himself. By themselves, each member of the Fantastic Four are no match for the Black Panther. But when they, when they regroup, they easily outnumber and overpower the panther, who ceases his hostilities. Unmasking, T'Challa reveals that he was merely testing the Fantastic Four's fabled abilities and has invited them to his land for a grave task. The story is to be continued next issue. And just to make a long story short, the next issue they face off against Ulysses' claw. The claw. Oh, wait, not that claw. That's, that's Toy Story. So, when were you first exposed to this issue? I don't think, until now, I've never actually read this issue. I had oh, only, wow. yeah, I, I haven't read through a lot of the early Fantastic Four. In fact, I've only listened to it by listening to the Fantasticast. Like, basically everything from about 130 forward I've read below that uh, it's a big you know never read it not even <laughs> the classics not even the first appearance of galactus i really? just haven't yeah i just haven't sat down and read it oh, I, I i highly recommend that you read that the, the you know lee kirby run mm -hmm. uh, you know I'm, I'm sure at this point in time you'll probably have greater fondness for the john byrne run but if you read it with the mindset of this is basically creating and laying out the Marvel universe, it's mm -hmm. it's a phenomenal run. Well, it's a, the it's burn amazing run how many things I, come up. The burn run was where I started and got interested in the Fantastic Four from, you know, guest appearances from being in Avengers, and then I started the then I jumped in on the burn run and then started to spread out from there forward and back. So, yeah, well, I had started around in the 140s and I you know I immediately started looking back as soon as I started collecting comics so I would say I read this probably in the mid 70s at some point uh, probably in a reprint in Marvel's greatest comics mm. that would be my my best guess on where I first was exposed to it 
And and like, like we said earlier, I've always been kind of fascinated by the Black Panther character. And at the time, I thought this was a pretty good issue. Uh, I'm looking at it now, and it seems a little silly at some points. You know, there's the the whole concept of oh, we were invited to this nation, and we're just going to go without you know looking into anything first. Just just well, seems. Oh no, what's silly. that? You know, and then even you know. <laughs> I, I find it amusing that, that uh, Wyatt is kind of always sleeping. Yeah. And uh, Nothing wakes him up. You know, the, the, the way the panther takes them on. Actually, it's fairly plausible, you know, that he anticipates things. And at, the, at this point, I think the Black Panther was actually what Batman is shown as now before Batman was shown this way. Like oh, Bat- yeah. you know, in the 1960s when this came out, Batman wasn't the guy who thought of every possible contingency and was prepared for it. No, yeah, he he was more you know more closely resembling an adventurer. You know, he was he was closer to Indiana Jones than he is to what he is now. Well, yeah, and then he morphed into more of the detective. Yes, and then then like in the 90s he became, you know. Mr. You know, prepared for every contingency, prepared for everything. Yeah. And I think from the start, the Black Panther was kind of presented that way, at least in his solo things. And, you know, in the Fantastic Four, like in the Avengers, I think they didn't really focus on him as much as they could have. So you you didn't see that aspect of him. Probably really. I'm trying to think of characters that they did focus on. And I want to say it was the vision was one that was focused on a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. The Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, um, Wonder Man. You know, characters that didn't have their own individual books got well, more of a play. You know, the Black like, Panther at this time didn't have his own book, and even when he had his own book, it was you know significantly later. That was in the 70s, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when he was in Jungle Action, and then he had his own book for a little while. I think that, now, and, later, and I think his own book only lasted, I think, 22 issues, something like that. Maybe not even mm-hmm. that many. Well, more recent stuff with the Black Panther in the Avengers has been, you know, you know, focused on his character a little bit with yes. conflict between him and Namor. And uh, one one of my favorite things, and I know we're, we're not really talking about the issue we just did. One of my favorite things is in the Avengers, and I think it may have been in the Jeff Johns run when he was doing it, when they face off against the Red Skull, and he you mean Del Husk. He ends up battling the Skull. And what he does is he takes his gloves off so that when he punches the skull, the skull is disgusted by the fact that, that a black man is touching him <laughs> with his bare skin. And oh, I, yeah, I, just, I remember that. I just now. thought that yeah. was such a great touch that he's like, screw you, skull. <laughs> you know, I, I just I loved that little character moment for him when he takes off his gloves. Anyway, to, going back to this issue, uh, um, I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, like I said, some of the premise is a little silly. But I do think they do a good job right off the bat of presenting Wakanda as this mysterious nation that's, you know, you got guys walking around in, in loincloths, but, you know, they're highly advanced. With all the Kirby tech, yeah. With the, with the technology. And, you know, they, they are uh, it's just a, it's an interesting culture because they are so advanced scientifically, and yet they also, like, choose their leader as, you know, by besting each other in battle. So it's just a, like a strange thing. Uh, you know, we have the little subplot here with the Inhumans, and, uh, you know, Black Bolt is wearing the worst crown ever. So it's not a, is that a crown or a tuning fork? <laughs> it's terrible. M- more so than a little fork on uh, 
Lockjaw's head. I like trying to make Lockjaw feel uh, welcome. (laughs) Yeah, he wants to be more like him. Look at it on on the shot on. uh, I guess it's page. I can't even tell. Page eight, I think it is. Uh, at the top where Black Bolt's got the uh, the crown on, and uh, Gorgon's looking at him like, you Gorgon's idiot. Gorgon's like, <laughs> like, yeah, really, really? You got to make a hat bigger than mine? Sure. And meanwhile, he's wearing like a, like a big butterfly tin thing on his forehead. But, it's an uh, iron butterfly. Bam, bam, bam. Oh, and th- this is more the, ma- the Maximus the Mad. You know, we talked about the Inhuman series when it came out. This yeah. is more the Maximus the Mad that I love like he's he's just pretty much like a cackling fool and nobody takes him serious but while that's going on he's manipulating things and you know know, it's funny you mention that because looking at that picture here with maximus and one of my issues that i had during the inhumans miniseries i know we're getting off the talk of black panther but during the inhuman series on tv which i don't know i thought it was okay it wasn't earth shattering but the whole TV Marvel universe is not like earth shattering right now, anyway. Although recently on Agents of Shield, it's been well. Never mind. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Um, but one of my complaints about Maximus that the the actor that played him, I was like, you know, you couldn't have shaved. You just came off the. You stepped right off a of Game of Thrones. You didn't even shave your beard off. That, but the looking in here, this character, I, I forgot that Maximus would sometimes look like that. Yeah, have that. But he looks a little like Pete Rose too. <laughs> Fixing games. I mean, uh, Charlie Hustle. That's the Maximus one. Maximus Hustle. Maximus Hustle. <laughs> That's why he's never going to the Hall of Fame. Cool I like that that he draws Johnny Storm as looking like a young kid. Really young. Yeah, really young. Almost like he should be in an Archie comic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's really pretty... Uh, although, um, he, although he draws Wyatt as looking, you know, kind of older. Yeah, his older roommate. You know what's interesting? And I don't... Maybe I just didn't not, notice this before, or I've no, noticed it, but it was drawn differently. The, the Black Panther, it, usually when I always remember seeing him... The, the eyes in his costume are always white, or you could see his eyes with his skin color underneath the mask. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, it's just the mask, but there's like little black dots for eyes. It's I don't remember. I don't really remember seeing this before. I mean, I might be totally out to lunch. I'm because not sure, later, honestly. Because later in our next book, uh, I'm glancing through. It's always the eyes are are just solid white on the mask. Right. There's no, oh wait, I take it back. There might be a scene where you can see one dot, but mostly it's all just white, what a whited out eye with no, with no visible pupil. See, now we didn't, we didn't have the, uh, the situation where we would read this book, not knowing who he was. Mm. And I'm curious, like when this first came out, you know, did, did everybody think he was going to be a villain? You know, how did, how did, you know, I don't know how people read this when they, when they first picked it up. Cause I guess, you know, it appeared he was going to be a villain cause he immediately, you know, started to battle them. Then, then as soon as, as soon as he said, he stands down, uh, Reed Richards says, a man such as the black Panther does not give his word lightly, nor does he dishonor it once given. So it's like, yeah, we could trust him now. He just attacked us, but it's fine. And why is that? Because Reed said so. 
Why is that? Because the next issue we got to team up with him, and you know we've we've fought enough. We're we're on the last page, and we don't have time to reason this out. <laughs> I like the fact that the Black Panther is never a guy who had a secret identity, even though he wears a mask. He wears a mask for effect, not for uh, hiding purposes. Well, uh, yeah, but to the world at large, do they know that the King of Wakanda and the Black Panther are the same person? I think they do. Mm, see, I don't. Think I think they there do. were some stretches where he uh, he adopted a civilian. I mean, maybe now, but was, I mean, back then, I don't think he was. I thought he was, but I I, I think there was a stretch in more recent days where uh, he adopted a different civilian identity, and it wasn't known that that civilian identity was the Black Panther. You know, when, when there was a point where he kind of took over for Daredevil. For a little while, and he was living yeah. in he was living in Harlem somewhere, right. and I don't think he was. Uh, why do I think he went under the name Luke Charles for a little while? I think he. I, I'm not sure. I think he may have. Hmm. I'm not 100 percent sure about that though. I may be talking out of my head. Uh, but I, you know, I just I, I just have always found the character to be fascinating. I don't know. Let's see, Luke Charles, Panther. Let's so, see. what's with that? Uh, he adopts the, the identity of teacher Luke Charles while in America, romancing singer Monica Lynn, later his fiancée, dividing time between Wakanda and America for years. For yeah. years? Wow. I didn't think he was doing that. He that battled long. foes such oh, as you Jabari, mean that was... malcontent oh. M'Baku, the man-ape, Re- rebel leader oh. Eric Killmonger, who's also going to be appearing in the movie. Hmm. So the panel below uh, Black Bolt in his fancy headgear. Hey, look at my crown. What kind of binocular type looking machine is that? Looks like he's looking into like the ex- the exhaust pipes of uh, <laughs> it's a dragster. 58 Chevy. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna like start up and suck his head in or something. Like he's looking in the carburetor. Yeah, I, I think sometimes Kirby kind of overdid the uh, Kirby tech just for it was complex for complexity's sake, you know. Yeah, look at the size of that guy's headset too. <laughs> Can you hear me? What? You get the game on that? What do you got over there? Holy <laughs> you cow! Do, you do the Pee Wee Herman. What? What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and then they land in the mechanical forest which is i mean that's great kirby tech but none of it serves any functional purpose as far as i can tell yeah that's just whacked out and it's the a man-made jungle the panther can do some kind of split when he hits uh he makes john claude john, johnny with and, like and the thing. Wimp. that's who should play <laughs> john claude van damme So, or you could just go watch John Claude Van Johnson. I highly recommend it on Amazon if you haven't seen it. Or John Claude Van Gelder. Kubate. Oh, sorry. So, any any John more Claude thoughts? Panther. Any more thoughts on this this one? On the Jean Claude Panther? I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, he's got like. Man, he is prepared. He's got little gas gauntlet. He's got little gas pellets in his gauntlet. Yeah. Putting out this, you know. 
Well, but I, I, I love that. You know, I, I, I've always enjoyed that where somebody's, you know, prepared for every contingency kind of thing or, you know, better than prepared for every contingency. They've, they've thought it out to the fact, to the point where, you know, almost a mad thinker thing where I knew there was, I knew you were going to say that. I predicted it. Uh, that kind of thing. But they just yeah. have it so, but they have it so planned out that they know exactly what to do or where to set the trap or that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, and for those of you kids out there reading new comics, Make sure you pick up Marvel 2-in-1 number 3. Might be a mad thinker in there. I predict you should say that. Ah. But, I, you know, overall, just to, you know, to give the my overall thoughts, I thought this was a solid debut of a new character. And I think they kind of set up for what was going to be years worth of, you know, stories to be mined out of this, which is mm-hmm. what I really think is just the beauty of that Lee Kirby run on the Fantastic Four. You know, Byrne did a great job with what they created. But when you look at it from the point of view of how they created all of this, then you just see, you know, Byrne was Byrne was just building on the foundation that they laid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to give this an overall grade or ah, it's a yeah. score episode. We don't need to grade no, anything. I, we, need, we don't need no we, sticking grades. No, nah, I want to grade it. Uh, the cover, as I said, it's, it's, I'm not totally crazy about the layout. I like the execution. I don't like the layout so much. Uh, so I'm going to say a B. Could have been an A if it had been a little different. Uh, the interior art, uh, I think it's interesting. Like the Panther's mask is a little different. His cowl, his ears are a little bit more turned up. It, you know, his, his facial features almost look a little bit more real Panther-like than what it would eventually come to be. Uh, I like the Kirby tech. I like, you know, I, I, it's, it's Kirby art. I mean, you know, you, you really can't go wrong with it. And it's uh, it's inked by Joe Sinnott. Uh, it, it's, I'm going I'm to say an A because it is what it is. Uh, and the story, you know, I think it's really cool. It's a really good introduction to a character that I think is excellent. And I, again, like I said, I think it creates stuff that can be mined for years and years to come and will be. Uh, so I'm going to say an A on the story, and I'm going to give the book an A minus overall. So, so Joe Sinnott ain't Kirby for a long time. Yes, because I remember seeing Kirby with uh, uh, other inkers, and early on in the Fantastic Four run, there were some other inkers, but eventually Joe Sinnott became the guy. And then, uh, you know, when when uh, Rich Buckler was drawing the Fantastic Four, Joe Sinnott inked him, and it kind of kept. Uh, a, a very Kirby-esque look to a lot of mm. his work. Well, it just seems like some of the other Kirby things I've seen, I didn't like the art as much, and that may have been due to the inker, because here, I I do like this art. Mm-hmm. So well, this, this is, in my opinion, this is Kirby at, at the height of his powers, too. Mm. Uh, you know, this, uh, if you go from the same era, the issues of Thor that were coming out, uh, you know, it's just, it's hard to top what he was doing at this point. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, later on, his style became a little bit more exaggerated, and the line work became very thick, and I still love it, but it's just not at the same level. I think he, you know, he... He, he didn't quite live up to what he was doing back then. So you want to rate it? Uh, yeah. Uh, the cover. 
Mm. I mean, the little snide remarks I made earlier, they, they were just, you know, me cracking jokes. Uh, I'm going to give the cover a... A minus? Uh, the interior art? Uh, I like it. A. And the story? Uh, yeah, he's... Uh, he was Batman before Batman became Batman. Yep. He, and there's so much story in here, too. There's so a lot of stuff I, going on, even the subplot with the Inhumans when you look yeah, at it. Yeah, we, we got a subplot with the Inhuman. We have time to visit Johnny in college, pick up his roommate, and then fly to Wakanda. Yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm going to give it an A. So overall, like an A minus A for the whole book. There we go. And that'll move us on to our second book. Uh, our second book was about three years later. Maybe two and a half, maybe just under three. It's in 1969. I gotta get my glasses because I'm old and I can't see. Bill's gotta get his spectacles. My spectacles. Ah, yes, it was a book that came out three months before I was born. I say March? Wait a minute. Four months before I was born. Wait, no. Wait, March, April. May, See, it's, I he, guess it, he, he doesn't just not know his kids' birthdays. <laughs> anyway, came out in March of 1969. Avengers number 69, 60, dude. 62. 62. You had 52, I have 62. And uh, our story is The Monarch and the Man-Ape. And uh, our writer is Roy Thomas. Pencils is John Buscema. George Klein is the inks, Artie Simic is the letterer, and Stan Lee is the editor. Now, I don't have who does the cover, but I guess looking at the cover, it's a Buscema cover, wouldn't you say? I would. Uh, I didn't look it up either. Just, I'll do that way, while, while you're doing okay. your thing. I'll look that up. <clears throat> and our synopsis comes to us from my quickly falling apart copy of the official index of the Marvel Universe. Because sometimes, you know, I'm going to break its spine. But uh, <laughs> Yes, the cover's by John Buscema. Ah, okay. Synopsis. <clears throat> As the Avengers and the Black Knight attempt to stay warm in the ice following Ymir's defeat, the Black Panther summons his personal aircraft and invites them to accompany him to Wakanda. However, Wakandian guards, acting on the orders of the Panther's friend and regent, Mbaku attacked them until. See, I'm practicing for listening to the prophets this weekend. It's all them crazy names in there. Okay. But, oh, that's peeking behind the curtain. Attacked them until realizing their ruler is with the newcomers. Though he feigns happiness to relinquish rule of Wakanda, back to the Panther, Mbaku secretly plots against him. And during a feast given for the new arrivals, Mbaku drugs them. When the Black Panther awakens, he finds Mbaku, garbed in the forbidden white gorilla guys, calling himself the Man-Ape. Mbaku informs the panther of his plans to destroy the Black Panther Shrine, and the two fight a running battle into the Wakandan Control Center, where they grapple above the center's atomic furnace. When his blows nearly cause Man-Ape to fall into the file, 
fired, the panther saves him, but his treacherous foe seizes the chance to stun the panther with an electrical cable. As Manny attempts... Zack-a-Zack. Zack-a-Zack. As Man-Ape attempts to tumble the Panther Shrine, the newly awakened Vision demolishes the wall of the Avengers' nearby cell. Instead of falling, the Shrine breaks into an avalanche of rocks which bury Man-Ape. The Ape has killed Ape. (laughs) Oh, wait, no. Panther has killed Ape. Panther. Panther. Vision has killed Ape. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a line from my friend Andy and say, I rather like this one. <laughs> That's all right. I, I think this is, I think this is a great issue. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm just, I'm just dripping with praise today. Uh, I think the artwork in this is gorgeous. I think, uh, I, I love John Buscema's art in this. I think this is him at the height of his powers. Uh, just uh, the opening is, 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 is pretty cool. They're, they're on like a, the side of a mountain or something and there's snow and everybody's feet are like stuck, you know, deep in the snow. They're burning Hawkeye's arrows. He's shivering, you know, maybe that a costume without sleeves is not a good choice because <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody else looks pretty, you know, at least a little warm. Of course, the vision doesn't care, <laughs> but uh, it's nice that they, that they took the credits and it's like etched on a rock behind the vision. Yeah, I think that then, was something that, that Busima did. Often, barely often. Well, and then the title of the story is like, so made you know somebody drew it in the snow. No, not yellow snow, but in the snow. And this is following up on the heels of the Titanic battle between Emer and Surtur, when um, I believe Doctor Strange like transported them into the same place, and they both struck each other and canceled each other out. If I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. I- Think so we covered that at some point. I think we did it for our Doctor Strange score. I I think you're right. Yeah, because that was like my first uh, time I'd actually encountered the Doc when he had the blue mask. Right. So again, we go to we're uh, after after the Panthers craft arrives and they hop on board, get warm. Now the, on- the only reason they're so cold is because of Emer. Yes. They're not yeah. in an area that's naturally that frozen. cold, right? Which you have to assume all that snow is going to melt, and there's going to be some floods. Just yeah, saying, probably. Oh no! It's what? Like, what? It's what like, like Yimmer came over and brought a polar ice cap with him. <laughs> um. Oh, and they were in Africa all, all the time too. So yeah, well, hey, they're they're going to get so much needed relief from water. And again, um, was it page three when the, he's flying his craft, which looks looks a lot like the, a little bit like the flying sub from Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, at least in that picture, a little mm. bit kind of, yeah, except it doesn't yeah, have wings. Yeah, yeah, and but it's it's, a, it's it's Buscema's attempt to do uh, to do some Kirby tech. Yeah, they're not in the uh, they're not in a mechanical forest, but they like went down into a like an underground bunker, and it's all crazy and just machines that have no real discernible purpose but are there. Yeah, exactly. Although, so, if, if you look at the tech, there, there appears to be, towards the front of it, 
or the bottom of the uh, the page. The t- it looks like there's a tube and there's something actually traveling through it, which gives yeah, it like, at least at least the uh, illusion of having some sort of purpose. You know that little thing just bounces back and forth between those two things. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> it's it's actually a, a very advanced game of pong. <laughs> yeah, except it only travels in a tube. <laughs> Poob. Pong tube. No, never mind. Um, and when they get off the ship, or when they arrive, you see them, you can see, you know, you can actually, here you can see Hawkeye's eyes underneath his mask. It's not whited out like it is often. But now, basically, through the here, except for like a one panel, the Black Panther's eyes are completely whited out with the mask. There's only one spot. I can't remember which one I spotted it on. It's like where he's doing like a side glance. See, I I don't think it's supposed to be that they're whited out necessarily. I think it's supposed to be that like at a glance you just can't see them. You know what I mean? I don't don't think there's supposed to be any kind of like white filter there or anything. Mm, Not like Spider-Man's mask? Yeah, exactly. I don't think that's what it is. I think it's more that, you know, just Unless you're close up to him, you won't. You just won't be able to see you well, know, his, his page, actual pupils or anything. But on page 12, the only spot you even get a hint of a pupil in the center panel yeah, that's at so the I bottom do. of the page. Yeah, that's the only spot in this book that I spotted or that I saw that. And I know in future, like more recent books, you can you can see his eyes easily. So, but I think back then maybe it was just easier just to white it out for an artistic, you know. For artistic yeah. reasons, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, I, I just think when, when you draw pupils in the eyes with the mask, sometimes it just looks a little too phony. I, I, I think of in the uh, in Amazing Fantasy number 15, isn't there a shot where like he, he's got the Spider-Man mask on and you see two little pupils? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think when he first realizes that the burglar is, uh, you know, the guy who he let escape. And and it just looked like silly. You know, I think fair. I see a, I think I see a coloring error. Where? On page nineteen, when they're, when they wake up in a, in the prison cell. Right. Oh yeah. Oh. Yeah. No, either that or somebody took Hawkeye's pants. <laughs> I noticed that when I was rereading it. It's like also. he's got no pants. <laughs> He's got a tunic with like a something covering his uh, his hawk junk, but uh, <laughs> like they're all like they're all like you know he drugged us he did this he did this and they took my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and the Black Knight's like he's trying to he's like no I don't want to see it I don't want to see little Hawkeye no <laughs> little Clint. Oh. But what can we do? Stripped of our weapons. Uh, speak for yourself, big guy. <laughs> Check this out. Oh, my God. See, now, just just to change the subject, because that's just killing me. Uh, <laughs> the man-ape. I thought he was kind of a cool character. And I don't know. Maybe maybe it's maybe he's an offensive stereotype. I'm not sure. But I Does like he the fact gain that the he, power of an ape when he wears the costume? I don't know if, the, I don't know if it's... The costume that gives him power, I don't think that's what it is. I think he's he's somehow, like, got the power of the ape, but I think the costume is just 
as like a tribute to, uh, I guess, the ape god, whatever you want to call it. Mm. But I, I just I just found that you know because you have the lawgiver, oh, you, you have the panther and his, uh, you know, his beliefs and everything and how he gets his, you know, uh, I guess enhancements strength wise and everything, and then you got Mbaku who does the same thing on only you know with a kind of a forbidden cult, and I, I just kind of found him to be a cool character. And then there was a point where he was appearing uh, as part of the I, I don't know if it was the Lethal Legion or the uh, you know, the, the masters of evil or wh- whichever group he was part of, but they kind of like belittled him. They, they made him seem, you know, like almost like a, like a, you know, like a mort. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't like to, I don't like when they do that. I don't like when okay. they take characters and they, and they purposely just make them seem ineffective. All right. Man eight possesses various superhuman abilities as the result of a magical ritual in which he killed a sacred white gorilla, bathed in its blood, and consumed its flesh. You. I was waiting for you to say that. Due to the ritual, Man-Ape possesses superhuman strength, enabling him to lift about 10 tons. That's he a has, lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, uh, superhuman stamina, Man-Ape's advanced muscul- musculature produces less fatigue toxins during physical activity, then blah, 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 blah. they can physically exert himself at peak capacity for several hours. Hey, hey good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Superhuman agility, agility balance, and bodily coordination are enhanced to levels that are beyond the natural physical limits of even the finest human athlete. His reflexes are the same. Durability, uh, his tissues are harder and more resistant to certain types of injury. <laughs> uh, <laughs> however, he is far more. He is far from invulnerable. Man-Ape's body is more resistant to blunt force and impact trauma than the body of a normal human. For example, he can withstand being hit repeatedly by a superhumanly strong adversary or falling from a height of several stories with little to no injury to show for it. Whereas when a bunch of rocks are dropped on him, he's knocked out. Oh, wait. No, that's not in here. That's what happens in the story. <laughs> well, and, and that's a good way to get by the fact that they thought he was dead, but he wasn't. Yeah. He got better. No, but uh, you know, I, I I thought he was a pretty cool character, and you know they 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 gave him a one and done initially, but eventually they revived him. And I I think he next appeared about fifteen issues later or so as part of the Lethal Legion or Masters of Evil or again whatever group he was part of at that point. But I think he's better served to be a direct foe of the Black Panther and not part of some you know assemblage of villains. Mm-hmm. I think as, oh, yeah, as, as just one character in, a, in an ensemble, I think he he loses his effectiveness. You know, yeah. he, he that's where he becomes a little bit of a joke instead of uh, you know having some gravitas to him. But but overall, I I, I kind of like him as a character. You know, he you know he he's the faux friend who turned on the panther. And, you know, he, again, he believes in a, in a total different way of life. He's part of the ape cult instead of the panther cult. The panther cult. I wonder and, if they uh, got, like, a uh, squirrel cult I could join. He's kind of, he's, you know, to, he's to the Black Panther what Atuma is to the Submariner, I think. It's not Atuma. Oh, sorry. There you go. I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> I could be in the squirrel cult, cult right? You could see me as a flying squirrel. All right, maybe not. It would be a falling squirrel. I don't know. 
I'm thinking more the wallaby cult. The wallaby. How about a tree sloth? <laughs> I could go for that one. The brown sloth. That's me. Uh, wait. I'll be right there. <laughs> every every menace that you're going to fight is already like gone by the time you get there. Stop. Right. Now, you villain. rabbit. <laughs> rabbit. Nighty night. <laughs> so I, I really like the art in this book. I mm-hmm. think it's, it's great. And, and Roy Thomas, you know, didn't get quite as verbose as Roy Thomas does sometimes. I mean, there's, there's plenty true, of dialogue. True. There's a lot of a- action here, but yeah, it, it moves quick. It's not like uh, the Celestial Madonna at all. Although, in fairness, it, that was that was Steve Englehart. Oh, true. Well, so, whoops. <laughs> but it's almost like this art, for being earlier than the art we're looking at, like almost 60 issues from now to 70 I- issues, I think on some levels this art is better. Oh, I definitely think this is better. Uh, well, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that back. I, I think you got to do it on an issue-by-issue basis, but it's no question in my mind it's better than the George Tuska art or the Don Heck art. Yeah. Not not even close. Uh, you know, Buscema was... Buscema's in a class with the greats. He, you know, I, I, you know, I always felt he was the superior of the two Buscema brothers. As much as I like Sal, I think, I think John's art had... Had more of oh, a, I, uh, a, you know, just more of a realism to it than Sal's. More, um, well, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> kind of like variety because some of his faces do start. There's certain for me with John, his uh, no Sal, like somebody with an open mouth. They always have that what piece of spittle going from the mm-hmm. top to the bottom of their mouth. Yeah. I mean, how, how many how many times can you spot that? I mean, but I, I put John at a level with such greats as uh, Gil Kane. Um, I'm trying to think of who else I'd put in that class. Gene Colan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would put those three. You know, you have you have your absolute top artists, which is you know to me it's Kirby, it's Neil Adams, it's John Romita, uh, George Perez, John Byrne. Like that's the top tier. And to be fair, I, I, you know, I gotta put I gotta put Busema with them. <laughs> I, I can't I can't even separate them. You know, when you start getting to to Byrne and Perez, who I think are all time greats, but I think Busema's right there. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of his great stuff was on Conan, and he he had a tremendous run in the Avengers. Some of the Avengers, you know, he's one of these guys who who stayed around a very long time, and by the time you got to say the uh, under Siege storyline, which he did most of the artwork in that, he had slipped down, a, you know, a notch. It was still really good, but it wasn't as good as this. Right. So, you know, but I, I find it hard. You know, I always put Kirby, Romita, and Neil Adams, not necessarily in that order, on my top three artists, personally, of all time. Mm-hmm. So if we if, if I put them at a level by themselves, then we drop down to the next level, and there we would have George Perez, John Byrne, John Buscema, Gil Kane, Gene Colan. You put Bob Layton in that lower cat spot too. Uh, 
see the problem with Bob Layton, and and I, I think this is going to be a little unfair to him in some ways. Uh, most of most of what I work with uh, with Bob Layton is as an anchor. You know, he he did say like the Hercules miniseries, which he drew and inked himself, uh, and it was great. But I just don't do I don't feel he has a big enough body of work as a penciler do- and anchor. Didn't he do a lot of Iron Man as penciler and inker, or was he just the inker? Because I, I thought, thought it was he, like Leighton and Austin did some Iron Man. I thought it was – I, I, no, I could be mistaken here, but I thought most of his Iron Man work was as an inker. I know he did some inking on John Romita Jr. in there, I think, and I think that was uh, the the Doctor Doom, uh, whatever it was, issue 150. They, your, your first issue on, on oh, Back yeah, to the yeah, Bins. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was – uh, Leighton inking yeah, John was... Romita Jr. Yes, yeah. And and in his, not in his defense, but uh, you know it should be noted, like he has a, a pretty distinct style, uh, Leighton as an inker, and he he does have a tendency to take whatever penciling he's given and render it in his style. Uh, and like in the case of him and John Romita Jr., I think that was an improvement. I think he. Uh, you know his, his his style is is very very clean and and I really like it. Oh, he's, I, I do uh, I do consider a lot of the work to be at the level that we're talking about. I just don't think he has enough of a body of work for me to put him that high. Well, I'm just looking through his um, okay things that he penciled. Uh, well, what if 34? That's the joke one. That's probably not all him. But there's a there's a Iron Man, Amazing Spider Man, Secret Wars number four. Secret Wars number five says that he penciled um, a bunch of Iron Mans, the Hercules one we talked about. Uh, oh yeah, a lot more Iron Man, Iron Man, Iron Man as penciler, Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. This is this is saying as the penciler. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to the Marvel Marvel Wiki and just do Bob Layton and it's showing all everything because they break it down by penciler, inker. Uh, and like things he created. Yeah, yeah I, I think okay. I think he was terrific, but I, I like I said, I don't think he has the same body of work that the other guys do. Yeah, because actually, I mean, that was a lot. Let me see what how many they got for uh, Inker, because that was about five page, four or five pages for penciler, and there's about sixteen books on each. Let's see how many pages they got for Inker. Oh, they got twelve pages for Inker. So you're right, he is a much more prolific Inker. And I think he was great. I, I, I don't want to you know, turn this into where I'm saying anything negative about no, no, him. No, no, no. I, I really like his work. And when I had a chance to talk to him for a few minutes at New York Comic Con, I thought he was a real gentleman. Oh, he did some of the cat books on Volume 3. He, he was an anchor. Hmm. But again, I, I, you know, this, this isn't meant to, to say negatives about anybody else. It really is just meant to say how great I think John Buscema was. And, and I right. feel bad oh, yeah. that, I, that, I, that I'm almost doing it at the expense of Sal, you see. <laughs> and and, and I, I really like a lot of the things that Sal did. I think he was terrific. I just think Sal was a little bit more, a little bit more of, I, I hate to say this, it sounds bad, but a little bit more of a journeyman than John was. Mm. You know, he, he was, he, he, he got it out fast. And he, his, his work, he, I mean, he was tremendously pro- prolific, Sal, in his day. And, and he put out a, a great number of books. And I, I think sometimes some of these artists' works suffer 
for being prolific because they they put out so much that they have to you know they they can't give it the time and detail that they might otherwise do yeah because they they're, yeah because they're, they're so busy worrying about putting food on the table idiots yeah no not like <laughs> not like the guys today though oh i got one book oh no no i should just stop right there i'm, I'm not gonna you know yeah, well, it's a different time. It's done differently yeah. now than it was then. I, you know, that, that's all well and good. But, uh, yeah, you know, I think the artwork is really good here. I think what we have in the story is kind of a return to Wakanda, and I'm not sure we had that in between what we had in the initial Fantastic Four intro and here. I don't, know if, we were in, I don't know if we were in Wakanda in between there at all. Hmm. I think when he came to the Avengers, he came to New York to join the Avengers. And yeah. This, this is the this is the first Wakanda story. Because when did he come in? Was it like like in the late forties? I think so. Yeah, not too long. Seventy-eight. Yeah, something like that. Good old Black Panther. Oh, Black Panther, keep on. Wait, now nah, I'm still I'm still my Doobie own brothers. <laughs> Oh, Wakanda, keep on rolling. So. The man name's going to keep on falling on me. Poor Hawkeye, they make him burn his arrows. <laughs> and it's, good it, is he now? Well, we're only one issue away from him becoming Goliath. Well, maybe that's why. He had no arrows. Well, shoot, you know. Might as well get big. Well, if... What I don't get is... How, how much of a douche is the Black Panther? Yeah, yeah, burn those arrows. Oh, yeah, I guess I'll call my ship down now. So <laughs> now that they're leave. burning. <laughs> now that your arrows are all gone. You jerk. <laughs> you may want to watch. A couple of those are explosives. <laughs> I meant to just burn the punching bag arrow. Well, the, uh, what you call the boxing glove arrow. Oh, the boxing glove arrow. Actually, that's that's a uh, green arrow thing, green right? Green arrow thing, yeah, yeah. I don't think Hawkeye ever had a boxing. Oh, he, may, he may have, I don't know. I shouldn't speak so quickly on that. So, what do you think? Ah, uh, you want me to rate it? Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, we didn't talk about the cover. Where I guess the, I guess this is a scene that's kind of in the. I think yeah, it's, it's actually. I think it, it's, yeah. it, actually, no, actually, it is. It's it's directly in there because they fight across that lot that long, um, cylindrical like Kirby thing tech thing across the atomic furnace, and it's it's that's a shot that's right from their fight basically except that what's cool is that like this energy wisp thing coming up out of the out of the furnace this white energy type deal has the face of the of uh dane whitman yeah dane whitman was the black knight during this right yes okay uh and then the vision and then hawkeye looking on as um which really, the Black Panther shouldn't. Well, yeah, he is. Well, you know, you could say he's holding on with one hand. He's like hanging off, and uh, the man apes ready to just pummel the bejesus out of him with his big white furry man ape looking thing and his green little shorty short pants and <laughs> green green his leggings. Green hula skirt. <laughs> green hula skirt and which matching is leggings. which is red inside the issue. Yes. So. Uh, I like this cover. I like the art. I'm going to give it a... I think I'm going to give it the same thing I gave the last cover. I'm going to give it A-. The interior art, I'm going to give the interior art an A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And the 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 turn 
not turn. I mean, the turn that's obvious to everybody except T'Challa. <laughs> but everybody else is kind of like, yeah, Maku's a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know it. Um, I'm going to give that an A plus and give the book overall an A plus. All right, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say a B plus on the cover. I think it's really what? solid. I think it's really solid. I just don't B think it's. Plus. I don't think it's quite A plus material. I'm sorry. The yeah. in, the interior okay. art, on the other hand, I'm giving an A plus. All right. Actually, you know what? I, I you, you've your your disgust has convinced me. I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give an A minus to the cover. Okay. All right. All right. I'll go with that. I'm gonna go up a, a slight grade. Uh, I'm going to give an A plus to the interior artwork, though. I think it's excellent. Uh, this is this is like when I talk about that. I'd love to just own a page of original art. I'd love to get a page of something like this. Be, pretty much, give me any page from this book. I'll take it. I'd like the first page. Oh yeah. Well, if, you, if you're giving me a choice of which page I'm going to get, yes. But I'll take any yeah. of them. Uh, and I probably can't afford any of them. And the story, the story, I think is really, really good. I think it, you know, I think it, it does a good job of setting up Wakanda again, and you know, setting up a little bit of the structure of how things work there. Again, kind of giving you the contrast of a very traditional, uh, tradition, and I mean traditional in a bad way here. Traditional company, country that, uh, you know, you you become the ruler. of, by combat, and yet a very, very scientifically advanced country. So I, I think it's just really cool, and I think you know Roy Thomas does it without just getting incredibly verbose. So I'm really happy with it, and I'm going to say an A. I'm going to give an A plus on the story too, and I'm going to just give the book overall, you know, a solid A. So we got two books that I like very much today, and I hope to see a movie that I will like very much tomorrow. Yeah, we just got a text from Scott that says he's not going to make it. Oh, good to know. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, all rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Nah, that sucks.